Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, chapter, uh, chapter uh, 6, begin with verse number, uh, verse number 12 uh, this morning. We're coming to an exciting part of the book of Luke. We're coming to the exciting part where Jesus really starts to lay loose of what his plan is going to be for his ministry here upon this earth. And it's good to know that as to when Jesus came on this earth, that he actually came with a plan and with a purpose. And we know about the plan that he ultimately had to come and to uh, die on the cross for our, our sins and to allow us to be able to become adopted into to be children of God. And we know of that that great promise and that great plan that he has for uh, for his uh, what is what he did for us here upon this earth. But today we're going to look at that plan he had for his earthly ministry here upon this earth. And this plan that he had for his earthly ministry here upon this earth not only extends to the ministry that he had. Uh, while he was here, but it was also the ministry that he was going to have on earth even after his death, even after his resurrection, and even though he is now in heaven, he has a plan for the ministry and for the work here upon this earth. And the good news and what needs to really sink into us this morning is that that plan includes us. What a great thing that God wants to use each and every one of us. But as we read these verses this morning, I want us to think in our hearts and our lives to not think about our limitations, to not think about our mistakes, to not think about what we think our attitudes may be or what other things we may even desire for our life. But what I want us to focus this morning about is about how God wants to use you in his plan, and he has a plan for you in your life. And I want you to ask this yourself this morning, are you living your life according to God's plan for you this morning? So let's read together in the book of Luke, chapter 6. We'll begin with verse number 12 where we read this. It says, in those days uh, he went on the mountain to pray, and all night, and all night he continued to pray to God, and when, uh, and when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, who was named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of, of, of James, and Judas, a scarlet, who became a traitor. And he came down with them, and he stood on a level place with a great crowd on with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea and Jerusalem and um, in the seacoast to Tyre and Sidon. And he came to hear him and to and to heal all of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out. From him and healed them all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word, Lord, and how you lay it out this morning. But Lord, we want to hear in your word this morning about your plan of how you came and how you sought to use and call each and every one of us. Lord, and how you use people who are hot headed, 
how you used people who had a lot of flaws, how you used people who didn't have all that great education, how you used people who had a great deal of education, Lord, that you called and you chose to use people for all works of life to do your work. And Lord, I pray that's our heart this morning and that we realize that Jesus wants to use each and every one of us here this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So there's a great thing about how Jesus led his life while he was up on this earth. And we see as that Jesus led his life, he sets an example for us about how we should live our life. And the first thing that Jesus does in this scripture is the first thing that ought to be the center of our daily walk with Christ. It ought to be the center of our life. In order, in the, the way that we make our decisions, the way we choose to do and to work in our, uh, into in our work and the, choose, the way that we choose to conduct ourselves and our families and our schools, our lives should be centered the same way that Jesus set the example for us, the way that it should be centered. Because what do we find Jesus doing at the very onset before he sets forth this great plan, before he sets things in motion, before he starts doing miracles, we see Jesus going up on the mountain at night, and we see him praying. We see God going up, I mean, we see Jesus going up to the mountain. We see him again as we've seen him before here in Luke, and Luke makes great pains to bring this out because Luke wants us to see it in our life, is that what really made Jesus's ministry on work, I mean, uh, on this earth work, was the fact that he always sought the Father. And if we're going to do anything in our life, if God's going to use us, if we're going to be in any way in the sphere to which God wants us to be, then our days have to be consumed with a vibrant relationship with God. That's rooted with prayer. And so we see that Jesus goes up to this mountain and he spends the night in prayer. And look at what it says, and when day had come, he had prayed all night long. That's just an amazing thing for me to think about. I remember one time at our church, we did this thing where we were going to do before a, a revival. We wanted to surround that prayer in, uh, in, in that revival in prayer. And so we had these sheets out, and you could sign up, and you would come, and you would come to the church, and you would spend an hour in prayer. And uh, this may make you think you less uh, of your preacher, but that just blew my mind away. I was like, what in the world could I pray for for an hour? I mean, just to actually sit there and talk and to pray to God for an hour, that just seemed to have blown my mind. And you look at me and say, why does that blow your mind? You sit and talk to us for an hour every Sunday. But we have to get to the point where we really relish that relationship time with God. We go from where we start to maybe saying, you know, canned prayers or simple prayers, pray for this, pray for that, to where we develop an intimate, more relationship. You know, when you meet somebody and you start out a friendship, you know, it starts out and you just talk about little small things, hey, how you doing? But then as you get to know each other, you begin to, to progress and maybe you start talking about your fishing stories, your hunting stories, your shopping stories, your family stories, and then that relationship kind of gets a little closer. And then, man, you start talking about family and uh, your, your dreams. 
And then, man, that relationship gets a little bit stronger. And then all of a sudden, man, you start talking about your hurts. You start talking about your problems. You start talking about, you know, your, your doubts. You start talking about those things that are intimate. And the closer that relationship goes, not only the more things that you talk about with that person, but also, but also the depth of those things and also the time to which you talk together. And God and Jesus wants to set that example for us that we need to work in our relationship with God, that we seek to spend more time with Him in prayer. And we talk about more things. We talk honestly about our sins. We talk honestly about our failures. We talk honestly about what we're going to face the next day. And before you know it, buddy, that time will pass on by. But here Jesus said, before I do anything, I want to spend time with the Father because He's going to speak to me and he is going to give me my marching orders. So he wakes up on that mountain, and he goes with the crowd, and all of a sudden he gets up from that place to where he was playing, praying, and now he has assurance. He has his marching orders. He has a plan. He has a vision. He is actually going somewhere to do something. And so what does he do? He goes and he sets this plan that God has given him, this vision that God has set for him, and he's about to set it in motion. And what does he do? He calls together his disciples. He calls together his disciples. Now, the disciples are everybody. The disciples were anybody who followed Jesus. And a lot of us, when we think about the disciples, we just think about that 12, and we think those were the disciples. But what we understand is that they had a different title. They had a different specific function, and we'll see that here in the next point. But the term disciples referred to anyone who followed Jesus. And it wasn't just somebody that would come down and fill out a card. It wasn't just anybody who would come down and get baptized. But what it really meant to be a disciple was, was it meant that you were actually a follower of a person. You may think about in your career when you started out in nursing or when you started out in shoeing or you started out in whatever you were starting out of, there was always someone there when you came out of school or when you just first started that you looked to as a mentor and someone that you looked as an example and you said, well, there's someone that I want to be like. There's someone who is successful in my field, so I'm going to follow them. I'm going to do the things that they do. And so you start conducting yourself the way they do. You plan their day just like they do. You even maybe start dressing like they do. You may even start eating the meals like they do because you set that person and you see them as an example of what you want to be. And so you seek the purpose of following them. And that's what it really meant to be a disciple. In these times in the Greek and Roman uh, uh, culture, you had all these great, uh, great teachers. And you would ascribe or you would be assigned or your parents would pay for you to follow this specific teacher. And you wouldn't just go to that class and read books, but yet you would become a follower of that person. And what they taught you about the, uh, the nature of the universe 
is what you believe the nature of the universe was. The way that they dressed is the way that they dressed. The way that they thought was the way that you would thought. The way that they conducted themselves would be the way that you conducted themselves. The way that uh, what they ate would be what you ate, and you would seek to strive to watch and to follow that person to such a degree that you would become just like them. And those people were called disciples. And Jesus calls his disciples. And who were they disciples of? They were disciples of Jesus. And who are we? We are disciples of Jesus. And what is our goal? Our goal as disciples was the same goal as their goals of the disciples, that they would follow Jesus and they would listen to him. They would watch him. They would observe him. And whatever he thought is what they thought. Whatever he taught is what they would taught. How he dressed was how they dressed. What he ate is what they would eat. And how he conducted himself would be how they would conduct themselves. They sought to be just like Jesus because they were his disciples. So we are disciples of Jesus. So what should our example be? What should our goal be? That we observe, that we follow, that we listen to Jesus so intently with a desire that one day we would become just like him. Is that your desire? So he calls his disciples, all the believers, all the believers that he had that were there. He said, I want y'all to come to me. We're about to have a meeting. And as he's having that meeting with them, as he'd had several times where he'd call those disciples together, he said, then he appointed to, or he chose from them 12 who would be apostles. See, even as much that we're all disciples, God has special functions and he has special roles for the people around us. And so even amongst this group of disciples, he chose from him 12 who would be apostles. Now, what's the word apostles? The word apostle means witness. And as all these other people may have been witnesses to the things that Jesus did, these were to be the official witnesses, if you will. These were the ones that Jesus would sign his name to. He said, these are the 12 people that I'm going to set aside and I'm going to have them follow me to in such a way that when I am gone, that these would be here left to help establish the church. And isn't it something? the way that Jesus thought. Even though that he was king and kings and Lord of lords and that even though he was omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent and all those things, Jesus didn't try to do everything by himself on this earth. But he saw the need that he involve other people, that he have the disciples, that he would have the people that he would pour into their lives so that they could help him and continue on that work even after he was gone. That should be the same truth in our hearts and our lives. Is I know we got a lot of people uh, who do a lot of work, and uh, everybody here I know of does, does a lot of work here in this church and all around, and anything you ask them to do, I know y'all, y'all will do. 
But what really makes the church grow is when we make disciples, when we start to invest our life in other people so that they will grow up and that they will understand what needs to be done and they will understand how to follow Jesus. And so that even after we're gone or even after we get to the point where, you know, because of our hips, our knees, and our legs, and our eyes, we can't do what we used to do, that work can carry on because we took the time and we took the investment to bring up disciples. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we should do. So have these apostles, these ones who are going to be the, uh, the official witnesses. And even though while all those other people were people who saw Jesus and they saw him risen and they saw him crucified and they saw the miracles and they could attest to those things, Jesus called specific people for specific purpose. Even though that the other disciples too, in a lesser degree, took on those roles, he had people who had those official titles. That did not mean that they were greater. It doesn't mean that Jesus thought more of them. And it doesn't mean that they were higher spiritually because as we look down this list and we'll see, we had some pretty suspect individuals in this group. So what we need to understand that even as Jesus has a role for all of us, we are all disciples, and we all kind of have the same general purpose and drive in life to be like Jesus and to be his apostles, to be witnesses for Jesus, but still he has specific roles for each and every one of us. He has a role that he wants every one of you to play in his kingdom work, and not just work in the church, but also in the work in your life that he has people that he wants you to encounter with. There's a way that he wants to use his talents for his glory and for his honor, and you have to figure out what that is in your life. You have to follow Jesus closely to a certain point to where even amongst those groups of disciples, he'll say to you, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is your role in my kingdom. We say, well, Jesus wouldn't want me. I'm not the type of person you want to see working in the church. I wouldn't be the type of person that could go witness to somebody. I'm not the type of person because of my past, because of my attitude, and we just go down the list of excuses, right? We come down to excuses of things, of reasons why we can't do something, buddy. We'll, we'll come up with something quick. But Jesus, in his wisdom, in choosing these apostles, set a great example for all of us today. Because he didn't choose the most religious. He didn't choose the most educated. He chose some very broken and some very, very hard to deal with people. Look at this list. We look at, first of all, First one name mentioned is Simon, Simon Peter. And we all have a good laugh because we really get to see Simon Peter and his personality in his life as he encounters with Jesus. The one who was always kind of the leader, who always kind of had something to say. 
the one who always had his emotions on his sleeves, the one who always spoke up. And we see him stumble and we see him fall, but yet we see him get back up. So even someone who was as hot-headed and someone who was as stubborn and even as someone who was flawed and even as someone who may at one point in his life actually deny Jesus, God chose to use. Well, he can certainly use me. If he can use someone like Peter, he can certainly use someone like you. Then we go down the list. We go down the list and we see people like Thomas. Well, Thomas, you know, he's a great guy. What do we know Thomas as? Well, he is Doubting Thomas. Buddy, how would you like to go through the Bible without being your name? Doubting Thomas. Because you didn't believe Jesus and what he said. You had to see it to believe it. So even if you have doubts in your life, even if you ain't got it all figured out, even in sometimes you go through those times of spiritual uncertainty in your life, God could use you. But then we go through the list, and there's not only people that we know of that have kind of suspect character, that had definitely falls in their life. There's a whole list of these people where we really don't know what they did. We don't really have any great story of count about people like Bartholomew or people like the other Judas in any great thing they did. But that doesn't mean they didn't do great things. It's just that some of the work that we do sometimes doesn't get noticed, right? But it doesn't make it insignificant. And even though you're not someone that has a high platform, even if you're someone that does work that doesn't get noticed all the time, God can still use you. And so he chose this list of disciples, this list of apostles, to show that God can use anyone because it's not about us. It's not about our abilities. It's not about our knowledge. It's not any about that. It's about what Jesus can do through us. And all through Scripture, God has seemed to go out of his way to choose the least qualified person, the least likely person for the express purpose of when we see them do great things. We don't say how great Peter is. We don't say how great David is. We don't say how great, we don't say how great any of those people are. But we said if anything great was done by those people, it had to be the work of God. And so the more broken and the more flawed you are right now, the more likely God is able to use you because you know it's not your strength. When we see you do things, we'll know it's not your strength, but we'll know and we'll test and it will witness to the fact that it's God working through you. So don't be afraid when God calls you. Don't be afraid to step out and do something for the Lord. God had a plan. Jesus had a plan. He had a plan to use people. He had a plan to use you and me for his work. Some he called for, for lowly, unrecognizable tasks. Some he called to do great things that we could all see and that are written in the books of history. He had specific roles for specific reasons and for specific people, but he uses all of us. So there he was. 
with his disciples. There he was now with his newly appointed apostles, and then now he wants to show them the example of what is that he wants them to do, what ministry is going to be like for them. And I want you to notice what he says in verse 17, because we all as church people need to recognize this in our hearts and our life. And he says, and he came down with them. That's the disciples. And that's the apostles. And they stood on a level place. What did he do? He brought them down off the mountain. And where did he bring them after the mountain? It says that, uh, He says, a great uh, crowd of disciples and a great great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidium who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. So here were the disciples. They were up. They were around Jesus. They were there on the mountain, and they were having a good revival time, and we were appointing apostles, and he was teaching, and everybody was feeling good. But then he takes them and said, look, it's time to come off that mountain. And he brings them off to the mountain. He brings them down to the level ground. And where were they now? We now have the disciples We now have the apostles, but now they were together. The lost with the hurting and with the sick. Jesus wants to know that as his disciples, our place isn't on top of the mountain with all our fellow disciples. But in his work, our place is down the mountain in the level place with the lost and with the hurting, and with the diseased, and the the, the separate. God wants to use you to bring people to him. He wants to use you. He wants to use you to meet the needs of the lost and the hurting. Jesus had the compassion. He had the compassion on those who are hungry. He had the compassion on those who were demon-possessed. He had compassion on those who had the leprosy. He had compassion on those who were outcast. He had compassion on those who were like lost sheep without a shepherd. And he reached out to them. He came down from his mountain there in glory to walk among the hurting. And that's his desire for us as his disciples that we come out of our mountains here on Sunday mornings and that we leave out those doors and we walk down those steps and then we go and be among the lost and the hurting and we reach out to them and we bring them in. That's his purpose for his disciples. That was the work that he did while he was on this earth. And while he was upon this earth, he called followers. He called disciples that they would see him. And they would see his compassion. They would see his working. They would see his heart for the lost and the hurting and him going after them. And that we would follow him and do the same thing. Are you truly his disciple this morning? Are you following him in your daily life? Are you stuck up on the mountain? 
just soaking in all the goodness of being a Christian, soaking in all that knowledge you read there in your Bible time, or have you come down on the level ground and reaching to the people? You are part of the plan. Are you allowing God to use you this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many things, Lord, that you've blessed us with. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for not only saving us, Lord, but calling us to your work, to calling us to be your disciples, to follow you. Lord, our desire is that we become more like you each and every day. But Lord, let us examine our hearts this morning to say, are we truly following you? Are we truly becoming more like you? Lord, I just pray, Lord, we'll search our hearts this morning. And Lord, that we put aside the excuses and allow God to use each and every one. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing. Amen.